Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. We're back. It's another week. It is. That means there's another episode. Oh my, you're right. It's We Watched a Thing Day. <laughs> People wait for this all bloody week. I bet they do. <laughs> I bet they do. Got reminders in their phones and whatnot. Yeah, circles on calendars. <laughs> but here we are. And uh, what did we watch this week, my friend? This week, we watched, finally, Ariasta's follow-up to last year's Hereditary, that being <laughs> Midsommar. Were you purposefully taking extremely long random breaks in sentences just then? I was just being deliberate. You sound like the little kid from Malcolm in the Middle who can't breathe properly. <laughs> You don't know the reference? Nah. Oh, man, that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> I think he was blonde. He was black. <laughs> oh, not the little brother. No. Okay. <laughs> the kid in the wheelchair. Oh, with the puffer. Yes. Yes. You get the reference. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, that's right. Midsummer. Midsummer. I'll thank you. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> 2019 folk horror film written and directed by Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, William Jackson Harper, Wilhelm Blomgren, and Will Poulter. And what's it about, Tove? What isn't it about, really? <laughs> it's about life. It's about all of us. Yes. It's about grief. It's about sunlight. Yeah, yeah, lots of sunlight. <laughs> and flowers. Yeah, and Sweden. And about how you should never, ever go there. <laughs> Very similar to my experience in Sweden. I bet it was. But you just made it out of the cult, right? Yeah, but like, other than that, same thing. <laughs> I mean, like, on honestly, I'm surprised that the Swedish government hasn't tried to ban this film worldwide. This is like nightmare fuel for people going to Sweden. Yeah, but I suppose if you're Scandinavian and like in any type of any type of Scandinavian, because they're what's the word? educated, yeah. maybe they think that the rest of us are also smart enough to think it's probably not like it's, this. It's not a real, yeah. <laughs> Which it's not, people. No. I, I've been there. It's great. No one tried to kill me. <laughs> it's, good, it's good to have, you know, someone real here who can explain that to us that you probably won't get killed. <laughs> but it wasn't shot in Sweden. It was shot in Hungary. Oh, really? Is that a true fact? That is a true fact. Well, it was a beautiful place wherever it was shot. The it looks like it looks very- Swedish? Yeah. Like yeah. places I went past on a bus, for instance. Yeah. I bought it as Sweden, as someone who has spent- Whole minutes? Over a week <laughs> <laughs> in the country. <laughs> in fact, I spent about the amount of time in Sweden as, as the festival goes for. Yeah? About nine days? Yeah. Yet here I am. <laughs> and it was in summer. Wow. Did the sun really stay up till all hours? Okay, you know the one time that someone goes outside in the in in the dead of night in this film? Yeah. It's too dark. Wow. It, it does not get that dark. Because even even then it was pretty light. And they're in like they say they're in the north. Yes. I'm serious, it's too dark. Yeah, right. And it does fuck you up. Well, I mean, should we just get straight into it? Well, I don't know. What else have we been doing? <laughs> all right. I loved this movie. Almost to the point where I, I can't explain why. And I can't fault people who don't like it, because I know it's not for everyone. I personally loved it. How fucking great is it to have a horror movie that is set almost entirely in daylight? That is such a cool thing. Yeah, one thing that, that happens in this film, like the inverse of how normally in a horror film, 
it's dark, 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 and then occasionally you get this bit of respite yes. with a scene in the day. And it's like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> the sunlight in this film is so almost punishing yes. that when you get a dim scene, your eyeballs go, oh, thank God. Yeah, and say what you will about the, the content. I know that you weren't a huge fan of Hereditary. I don't know how you felt about this yet. Ari Aster is a fucking good filmmaker. The The editing in this film is superb. When you're talking about, you know, the punishing sunlight, virtually every time it does go dark in this film, it's like a snap cut. It's usually like the exact same shot cutting from day to night. And it is just so brilliant the way that happens. The editing and the cinematography in this film is next level shit. Something I didn't realise this until I was reading something just this morning. There is no shot of the sun in the film, which is weird because I would be like, I'd, if I was shooting it, I think the first place I would go would be to have the camera reasonably low a lot of the time yeah. so that you get like this mad backlight yeah. of the sun just like punishing the lens constantly to feed into it. Yeah. But it achieves the exact thing I'm talking about without actually ever showing the sun, Yeah, which is, I think, actually quite amazing. It, it really is. The, the entire way this film is shot is brilliant. You, like, you know, from the technical standpoint, you get some really, really interesting shots. Like, for example, when they're first driving into the town and you have that shot which flips upside down on the car and then that continues through the next sequence of shots are all looking at this car from the wrong way up. And then as they actually enter the town, you know, you kind of flip back and it's just... So nicely done. Yeah, and then the um, there's that shot where the the frame turns as the car turns with this kind of direct rip off essentially of of Zodiac. If you make that car a taxi at nighttime in San Francisco, <laughs> it's a David Fincher shot. Yeah, I was watching it going. I don't know if it's a direct nod. I suspect it is. Yeah, and I like it. Yeah. Right through to just really, really carefully placed composition of shots and, you know, just effects put on the lens. You know, there are several shots in this that you look at. If you were to look at it as a still image, you go, well, holy shit, that's overexposed, which kind of lends to what you were talking before, that kind of getting punished by the sun. It's just such a clever way of doing it. Oddly enough, given that the film starts in the US, most of the characters, most of the main characters are American. Mm -hmm. There's only one American in the cast. Yeah? Yeah, Cheedy from The Good Place huh. is the only American. Wow. Because Florence Pugh is English. And she, she, by the way, was fucking stunning in this role. I loved her. Yeah, I'd seen her previously. I thought she was really good in the otherwise okay Outlaw King. Oh, uh, yes, which I haven't got to yet. I heard very mixed things about that. She was really good in that. I didn't see Fighting With My Family. Oh, uh, no, I didn't get to that. I heard mostly quite positive things about it, actually. Yeah. She's one of those- screen performers who I think just has a great face for the screen. Yeah. Like, there's something people like- I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is someone who you just- you want to watch what that face is doing. Yeah. Florence Pugh, I think, has has that going on. And she can do a lot without saying anything. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Elizabeth Moss in some ways. Like, if you're a Handmaid's Tale watcher, like, there are whole scenes in that show of just silence and just her face doing things- this film was very similar to that with the way it treated Florence Pugh. She was fantastic. And I thought the entire cast was- I don't think there's a bad performance in this film. To the point where I think the script is already very smartly written in the way that it constructs characters. But the performances are so realised that even the characters that you don't spend a lot of time with, 
you know who that person is almost instantly, just from the way they behave, the way that they talk. You just get a really good, well-rounded sense of these people, even without having a lot of time to develop them. Like, there's virtually zero backstory here, apart from the opening scene, you know, where her family dies, and yet you know who she is so well. There's things that some of the main characters do that I just think are are so great and so real, like Florence Pugh's character, Danny, constantly apologising when she's done nothing wrong. Oh, yeah. And just the sheer emotional retardation of Christian. Yeah, that's the thing. And he's not trying to be an evil person. In his head, you know, by not breaking up with her, he thinks he's being a champion. (laughs) And I've, you've seen this play out in relationships a million times. That, that kind of person who is always apologizing for other people's mistakes. When he forgets her birthday and Pele, who at the time you're like, Pele's a rocking dude. I was, and I was like, Pele is trying to hit that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was trying to hit it. But uh, she's basically explaining to him, I oh, know it's my fault. It, you know, I didn't remind him. <laughs> like, the character of Mark is great. Like, just what a knob. This person, like, a really intelligent guy who's also a fucking idiot. Yeah. And just an A-grade knob. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every scene with that, he's another person who's like, yeah, I know this guy. Yeah. I absolutely know this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He was played by- did you recognise- No. I didn't recognise virtually any of the cast. I couldn't place it. I had to look it up after. He was- um, he was Eustace in the latest Voyage of the Dawn Treader. <laughs> Jeez, that's going back. <laughs> Where he's like, Eustace is mostly just a little pain in the ass shit. Yeah. And I was like, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry for, for this actor, but have you seen Jack Rayner in a lot of things? He was so familiar to me, but I couldn't place him. I've seen him be really quite good. Like, I thought he was really good he, in, I don't know if you saw it, a reasonably recent- Macbeth with Michael Fassbender and oh, Marion Cotillard. He was really good in it. He was also, though, in Transformers. <laughs> he's um, got that look about him, doesn't Age he? of Extinction, and like he's as good in it as the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a shit show. Um, but apparently, I, I haven't checked this out. Apparently, following him on Instagram is really worthwhile because he's just a massive film nerd. Yeah, right. And just endlessly talks about a bunch of really interesting shit. It was he that said um, that Christian should run out naked. In the script, he was meant to have a robe on. Right. And Jack Rayner was like, if roles were reversed, she'd be naked. Yeah. Um, This guy should be completely exposed and vulnerable. There's the robe. I'm running out of my birthday suit. Yeah, cool. We'll see. And that was that was another great scene because you know you f- you feel that vulnerability. He's drugged. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just you know he's feeling guilty for her. He's and then he just runs out completely naked. That was that was great. It captures quite well something that I found in my once again more than a week <laughs> in Sweden. Yeah, um, <laughs> that can be something that can be kind of unnerving if you're not used to it. Is that Swedish people, for the most part, incredibly nice, incredibly welcoming, but are also more direct than yeah, we are. Yep. So sometimes you'll be talking to someone who's you know having a really nice conversation, and then they might say something that we, if we were saying it, we would kind of talk around it. Yeah, but they just say it to you. Yeah, right. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> 
that happened, and that happens a couple of times in the film. And I was like, that's that's good writing. Yeah. How many people would it occur to to actually try and yeah. to capture that trait? Even the way that the film cleverly kind of switches between Swedish and English and its decision on when to subtitle things and when not to. Just the way the film is constructed and written is so, so clever. And I felt similar to this as I did about Hereditary, where they're both, they're strange movies. And yet, unlike something, you know, for example, Darren Aronofsky, like Mother, they're so cohesive at the same time. They follow a very clear story and they're not hard to understand and to follow, but they're just beautifully weird. <laughs> yeah, except for Hereditary, which was bog average. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you liked this a lot better then? Absolutely. That's interesting. I walked out of the movie going, I bet Topher hated that. And I don't know why. I couldn't have put my finger on why. I just had a feeling that you were going to hate it. Similar to that film, though, the escalation in the final act is pretty next level. <laughs> like, I would describe both this and Hereditary as quite quiet horrors. Midsommar, for the most part, is a very quiet film. Then you get to that final 15 to 20 minutes and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> Did you have the same experience? I don't, I don't think I really had the holy shit experience because there's so much, like a lot of the film, there's a lot of dramatic irony in it, yeah. whether it's with the artwork around or things yeah. that one character said that someone thinks is a joke and we, the audience, are going, that's not a joke. Oh. Some people are going to fucking die. Yes. And, uh, yeah. When when he's explaining the life cycles and she says, what, what happens, happens when you 72? 72? And he says, he just, you know, does the fingers across the neck. You instantly go- Oh yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, so I like I was wait I was just waiting for it. That's true. A lot of, there's not many twists or surprises in this film, I don't think. You're never on the edge of your seat going, what is going to happen? I do feel like a lot of it is spelled out quite early on. And I don't think that's a bad thing. That's one of those things and that can be good, that can be bad. Mm. Um it's all down to whether it's done well or not. Yeah. And with things like the artwork and in this film that Let's, that means that you know more than the characters do. Yes. If it's done well, great. Yeah. I mean, for example, the, the suicide of the 72-year-olds, the fact that you know that's coming, all that does is help you build tension. You know what's coming from the moment they walk out and sit down at the dinner table and um, Josh says to Pele, is that, is that them? And Pele is like, yeah. You know what's going to happen. And from that moment on, every scene, you're just watching and waiting and what, you know, like they stand up at the dinner table. I almost expected them to just pull out knives and just gut themselves there. Yeah. I wondered if it was poison in the Same, in the glasses. Which is brilliant because you're constantly sitting there as Josh is going, okay, when is this going to happen? Because I know it's going to. And then when it does, man, that's a bit of a punch. It just jumps and you see that close up of his face. I don't know about you. My cinema was packed, which I was surprised by. Audible gasps, like... Provided it's in a film where it should be there or whatever. Like, I love a bit of old school Peter Jackson style gore. Oh, and this was definitely there. Like, the, the way that when you see the close up of the woman who lands head first on the rock and it just... There's no other word other than just demolished. Like, her head splits in two. Up. Her eyeball is hanging out. Like The eyeball's a great detail. It's so nice. Bravo to whoever made that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the same thing, when the man jumps and at first you realise, oh, he's he's still alive. Yeah, because when he, 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 like, pin drops down and you're like, mate, know, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, lands right on his leg. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're not even trying. E even that gangster in The Dark Knight <laughs> tells Batman, this won't kill me. <laughs> yeah. 
And then that just unsettling, surreal moment where everyone starts kind of mimicking his moans and then the hammer comes out. Just that entire scene was beautiful. <laughs> like, honest, I know it's a strange word to describe something so ultra-violent, but this film, I feel the same way about this film that I suspect you feel about 2001 A Space Odyssey. I could put this film on just for the art of it. And I don't, like, the story is one thing, and as we said, a lot of stuff is foreshadowed, but just the construction of the film, the way it's put together, is art. <laughs> I've never felt so grown up as when I saw this film. I felt so grown up. Like, I've had kids, I've been married. I felt more grown up going to see this movie than I did on my wedding day or anything. <laughs> Let me set the scene. I was by myself, so I wasn't even trying to impress anyone. Oh, I thought you were doing date night. Oh, no, yeah, no. The wife the wife did not want decided, to see it. Decided that <laughs> she backed out. She didn't need this film in her life. Yeah. So, But even without her, there I am in my Argyle sweater. <laughs> going, I don't even know what that means. Going to see an art house film. And you know what? There I am sitting, no popcorn, no large Coke. I had some sashimi and a bottle of water. Wait, you took sashimi into the cinema? Yeah. That's weird. No, nah, it was good. It was great. That's weird. It stopped me from getting popcorn or anything. That's a meal that you sit down and eat. No, you can eat that out of a tray. You're done messed up. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had takeaway sashimi? Yeah, but while I'm eating it, that is still, that's what I'm doing. I'm dedicating myself to the eating <laughs> of the sashimi. Yeah, I ate during the trailers. It's not like I ate you in the film. Nah, I'm not there. I'm not there with you. Well, see, because I was running late, so I went downstairs to the sushi train, and it's awesome. They let you just take a container to the train and just grab what you want. Oh, the one near the ATM? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I felt so grown up. No popcorn, no giant Coke, just sashimi, bottle of water, Argyle sweater, watching an art house film. It was cool, man. <laughs> I want to do it more often. I want this to be my life. You want to not have a family so often. <laughs> We spoke about how a lot of it is kind of foreshadowed and you see what's coming. Did you see the end? If if I was if someone had paused the movie after 90 minutes and said, what do you think will happen? I think I'd have been reasonably close. Yeah. There are a lot of surprises in that final 20 minutes. Like everyone dies. <clears throat> Check. Everyone dies except for her. Okay, yeah. Saw that coming. I did not I did not see it coming that it would be on her to basically kill Christian, which is a very nice touch. <laughs> and I think the real moral of this story is be careful who you go to Sweden with. <laughs> Don't invite a girl you're not that interested in. <laughs> did you like that, though, the the wheeling out of- I, I did. Yeah. D you were on board with it? Oh, yeah. What about him getting stuffed in the bear? That was fun. That was great because I'd, I'd wondered what the bear was going to do. Because obviously the, the bear is foreshadowed in the very first scene. In of, her apartment. In her apartment. That beautiful artwork, which I immediately started going, where can I get that piece of art? Uh, and then there's, that, there's actually a lot of humor in the film, yeah. given how dark it is. It's just a bear. It's just a bear. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was really cool. <laughs> I thought the bear might pop up again earlier than it did when- when Good Place goes and is taking photos of the book, yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, I wonder if the bear's in there. Yeah. And then actually when Christian finds the guy from London- Oh, yeah. I was like- he, Like kind of butterfly. Yeah. Up. I was like, oh, shit, I bet that's where the bear lives. <laughs> <laughs> but no, next time we saw the bear, it was well and truly dead. Yep. Opened up, someone going like Tywin Lannister on it. Yeah. <laughs> did, your, did your cinema laugh during the sex ritual? 
Yeah, some people did. Yeah, my cinema was like on the floor in laughter at that scene. <laughs> when that woman comes over and takes her hand and just starts singing in his face. And Christian is like, like visibly freaked out because he's so high. That was hilarious. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I know, like some people were laughing. I didn't think it was funny. Really? You didn't? No. How, how did you take it? I thought it was actually quite. Unsettling. So, I, I, well, not so much unsettling, but I thought it was very sober. Right. But I reckon it was about a 50-50 split in our cinema of people who were just taking it as fact. Right. And people who were like, this is funny as fuck. I find that so interesting because in my cinema, it was everyone just burst into laughter. <laughs> I went at a more adult time of day. Maybe. <laughs> Off topic, do you want this pie I made you? <laughs> Pretty good. That was that was messed up. Yep. And then even more messed up was then when you noticed that his drink was a bit redder than everybody else's. Yeah, that's Yeah. You don't need that. It's not what you want. Not on holidays. It's not what you want. Not on your holidays. <laughs> oh, that was pretty horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need that. And also, that they just drugged him up anyway. You didn't need to cast a love spell. Yeah, I did think that. Yeah, because it's not like it's, the love spell didn't work. He, no, I, he I just didn't got get that, drugged up. Yeah, I didn't get that impression. that He, he didn't walk into that room oh, no. full of lust and needing to do oh, it. Oh, God, no. He was very reluctant. I got the same vibe, which is why it was like, well, did we need the love spell? More just typical, like, just all typical base level male behaviour. Just gets channeled through these people like, ah, oh, look, I'm not that into it, but <laughs> she's I'm there. not gonna say no. <laughs> she's already undressed. I'm not gonna tell her to put her clothes on. Uh, <laughs> um I love the fact that Christian and Danny barely touch each other yes. throughout the entire film. Yeah. Their relationship is so well done. Yeah, I was so I was reading that Ariaster originally when he pitched this film. It was like just a straightforward slasher movie, which, I mean, I, they use the word straightforward. I doubt that because it's Ari Aster and that's just not what he does. But then after going through a breakup, he decided to make a deteriorating relationship, the kind of, you know, linchpin of the film. And that is such a, a smart decision because I can't imagine this film working without that relationship because that to me is the movie. And yeah, I agree the way that it's, presented to you you understand both of these characters and at times you feel kind of bad for both of them like he's not a good person he's not a bad person just a person he's just a person and he he genuinely thinks that he's doing the right thing by staying in this relationship even though it's making neither of them very happy and like who hasn't seen that happen in real life i just thought it was so clever another thing i really loved about the film was the score oh score's fantastic it was like, and speaking of the, you know, the juxtaposition of, of the editing and everything, the very opening scene where you have that kind of orchestral singing and you cut to that harsh, harsh ring of the telephone and it just completely takes you out of Sweden and into, you know, her hectic life where things are about to go bad. It's just so well done. But the score itself, it reminded me a little bit of the score to The Favourite which was at times quite traditional and then other times very droney and I think I thought of the shining more yeah, than anything. Yeah. Those occasional kind of shrill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So would you describe this as a horror film? 
I suppose if I, let's say I worked at a video, let's say I owned a video shop and that video shops were still a thing. Yeah. And I got this movie in and I needed to place it in one of the, the shelves with a category yeah, on it. I know. You've only got like eight of them. I suppose it's going in horror. Yeah. It's like there's always those movies that don't fit anywhere. Like I remember when I worked at the video shop and, for example, things like Eternal Sunshine would go in comedy and you're like, well, that isn't really right, but where else is it going? <laughs> in, the, in the Billy Cries section. Which, yeah. of course, is 90% of the job. <laughs> I do cry at a lot of movies. <laughs> so, it sounds like we were both super positive on this. How are you scoring it? Uh, so, I only saw this yesterday. I don't know if I've totally made up my mind. Because as the person, like, when the credits rolled, as the person directly behind me said to their friend, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a lot um, in a good way. If you ask me in a week's time, this might have changed because it's either going to be a soft eight or a strong seven. Yeah. I think I'm probably a seven. Right. But it's it's a, it's a strong seven. Uh, this is a hard nine for me. I Like, just even just, like, looking at everything individually about the film, looking at the script, looking at the, the technical production of the film, looking at the art of the film, just so many elements of this work for me so strongly and the only thing that kind of lets it down is the same thing i felt about hereditary which we know you you didn't like like the only thing for me was that rushed build up right at the end where it's been quite a quiet film and then suddenly in the last 10 minutes it's like bam he's a ritual well i think the the director's cut is going to be released when it comes out for home ownership and i think it's like three and a half hours see and i think i would prefer that version yeah because I'm all for, you know, I like my short films. I was totally fine with the length of this and could have done with even more because just the way that it puts you in that place and the way that you believe the characters, I just thought it was so well done. You do love a short film until we watch a film that's 90 minutes and you're like, oh, I could have done with more. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have a lot of time, mate. <laughs> What are we getting to next week, buddy? Next week, again, we're catching up on the Northern Hemisphere. We get Tarantino's latest effort. About time. God, finally we're getting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm very keen for this. And that one will be a date night because my wife is very keen for that as well. Oh, good stuff. Probably because of, you know, Pitt and Leo. <laughs> I mean, you know, she doesn't have much to look at at home. Then the lights so. come up and she <laughs> turns to her right and goes, what a disappointment you are. <laughs> Uh, that'll be good in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter all under the handle at wewatchedathing if you want to help support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing and we'll catch you next week go watch a movie Wilhelm Blonglum oh fuck Wilhelm Blong fuck any publicity is good publicity. Dirt, dirt. Uh, no, I'll edit that bit out. Um, I feel like that should go somewhere else. Yeah, I know. I thought you were going to say something. Yeah. And you stopped. I thought I had something. Come on, buddy. Mm.